This is where the industry insiders come to play. The download on the download, movers and shakers off the course, and the pros inside the ropes. Welcome to Slice with Brian Bushlag. And in this episode, we feature one of the hottest brands in the golf industry, Short Par 4. Are you going to go for it, or are you going to lay up? Well, Bobby DeMeo went for it five plus years ago, borrowing 20 grand from a friend with the vision and game plan to deliver the finest golf apparel direct to consumer. Hey, sounds like a great idea. Most guys hate shopping where they look like they got dressed in the dark. So this is a no brainer, right? Well, like anything in life, business and the hyper competitive golf industry, it took failure to create fortune. And it all started for Bobby growing up in Southern California. And the first question, how did he become addicted to golf? Oh, man. Well, when I realized I wasn't good enough to play baseball, probably about you know 14 years old, kind of made the freshman baseball team, but didn't really care to play freshman baseball and decided to pick up a golf club. I had played with my grandparents before and things like that, hit balls at the range here and there, but never really played and just kind of fell in love with it. Couldn't blame anybody else. Couldn't, uh, didn't have to rely on a teammate, you know, to, to hit your shot for you and you just had to go and do it. So I was hooked from there, actually. You know, just being outside was a big, uh, a big part of it as well. Okay, so you didn't pick up a club till you were 14. You got really good pretty quick, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean... I was fortunate enough to have a place to go practice and, you know, that definitely helps. They're not lying when they tell you practice uh, makes you a better player. So having a place to go practice definitely helped on the weekends. Like I said, I mean, growing up, I played baseball my entire life. So the hand-eye coordination thing was always there. Dabbled a little bit at, at the driving range and things like that. Played holes here and there at my grandparents. But, you know, when I decided to really play golf, I actually really enjoyed practicing. I definitely think that helped. And you were pretty serious, too. I mean, you were good, right? You, I mean, thought about maybe taking it to the next level, right? Yeah, I definitely tried. Well, you you could say I tried. (laughs) After high school, I went to the San Diego Golf Academy. And from there, I started working with a coach, got down to right around a plus two handicap. I was 19 years old you go out and you play golf with people and you know, they tell you how good you are and they tell you hit the ball far and all this stuff. And then you reality sets in when you turn on TV and you're like, yeah, everybody hits the ball further. Everybody's better. You know? So it's kind of one of those things, you know, I decided to go and actually caddy on the Hooters tour for my coach at the time. And that was kind of, that was the best experience I've had in golf, to be honest with you. That was, you know, being 20 years old, driving cross country in and out of hotels, spent four and a half months on the road, you know, got to see what preparation these guys went through to play golf professionally. It's a tough life out there. If, if you don't make a cut, you, you know, you're eating, you know, at Cracker Barrel. And if you make the cut, you get to eat it at Hooters, you know, which isn't too different, but at least it's a step up. Right. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a different world out there, but I tell you, it's, um, 
it was a lot of fun giving it a shot, but I'm also, you know, love where I'm at today. So I I guess I can't complain. And we'll talk about that. I want to find out what it was like being a caddy, though. I mean, why didn't you stick with that? Being in uh, the middle of the country in June, July, and August just wasn't for me. Um, carrying a staff bag, and it was a little warm out there, not going to lie. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the I, I learned more about the game of golf in five months than I did in, you know, five years. It's remarkable what, you know, how, first of all, how good these guys are. You know, everybody hits the ball a long way. Everybody gets to every par five and two. Six, seven under a day, you know, could be middle of the pack at times. You know, it's just, it's it's a totally different world out there. It comes down to putting, you know, to be honest with you. If you can putt, you can compete. If you can't putt, you're going to be average at best. And, you know, you have to have a strong head game. There's a lot of a lot of lonely times out there, you know. It's just, just you or you and your caddy. In our case, it's what it was. I mean, at 20 years old, I didn't, you know, necessarily think I'd be sitting out there traveling across country. Just me and my swing coach or now my boss at the time, I guess you could say. But overall, the experience was absolutely tremendous. And it just carrying the bag for somebody else wasn't, you know, for me. But definitely, it was an awesome experience. I, anybody who wants to play golf should caddy at some point in their life. So you come to the realization you've got to get a real job. What does that look like? I mean, what do you, <laughs> I mean, because you go from, I mean, you're still a young guy, obviously at 20. I mean, you know, what's going through your mind at that point? What's the path there? This is where we get into a little bit of an interesting time. The real job thing happened. Still knew I wanted to do something with golf. Now 21 years old, and there was all kinds of things going on. You know, do I want to go back to school? Do I want to go get a real job nine to five? Do I want to, you know, still try and play golf, you know, on a different scale? Maybe get a night job, golf during the day. Ultimately went back to the San Diego golf Academy after a few, about six months of trying out different things and involved in that was, you know, I promoted nightclubs to picking a golf range to, you know, selling Adams golf clubs at demo days. It was a pretty wide, wide range of things. I even lived in Vegas for a short period of time during that. Um, Just tried to figure out what I wanted, who I wanted to be when I grew up, you know? But, I mean, the good thing about that is probably made a ton of contacts, right? I mean, you got a good feel not only on the course but off the course. Oh, for sure. I mean, golf is the ultimate, you know, the ultimate connection. We're like, uh, you know, the golf industry itself is its own little, uh, you know, fraternity in a sense. So, yeah, I definitely got to connect with a lot of people, kept in contact with some of the guys I met on the tours. You know, it ultimately led me to go back to school. And, you know, from there, I worked a little bit for my father in the insurance business, still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. But, you know, basically wanted to go back to the golf academy, finish my degree there and, uh, you know, knew I wanted to do something with golf. So that was the first step. Where do you go at that point? I mean, and and I know that at some point we, we're going to get to the short par four discussion here, but what led up to that? I mean, because to to get to that point, there had to have been other hurdles, other things that you tried and and perhaps failed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, There definitely was. So when I graduated from the golf academy, I knew at this point I can go and teach 
you know, I can go be an assistant pro at a shop. I had passed my PAT, which is the player's ability test. You know, there's kind of a di- couple different things. I decided to go work at a driving range, Hodges Driving Range in San Diego. And, you know, kind of there was when I was like, okay, this is not going to work out for me. You know, as fun as picking a driving range is, it's still, you know, I wasn't able to teach because I wasn't a class A. You know, I was either in the shop or picking the range. And, you know, to be honest, it wasn't fulfilling. And decided that there would be, there's got to be something in the caddy space that isn't being done. And that turned into was Caddy Connection. Caddy Connection became a company where we outsourced caddies to golf courses that didn't have caddy programs were outsourcing to us to bring caddies in for the day, whether it was a charity event, a pro-am, member guest, that type of thing. And from there, it, you know, started in San Diego, picked up places like Torrey Pines, Delmar Country Club, Madaris, things like that. Uh, it was pretty cool, actually. It was a lot of fun. It became more and more competitive as, you know, I think I was a little bit early in the technology part of it. We started in 06 and I knew nothing about a website, nothing about any technology whatsoever, but we, we knew what we wanted to do and we wanted to create a way for people to book caddies online if they're playing at places that don't offer caddies. So, you know, fast forward about, you know, a couple of years, it took off. We started providing caddies for the PGA tour pro-ams. I basically started telling people I was a caddy pimp, you know, we had 2,200 caddies around the country and we were putting them out at courses. And, you know, the interesting part there is as fast as it can grow is as fast as it can get, you know, come tumbling down. And uh, it's kind of what happened. We ended up losing about 60% of our business and, you know, through like the San Diego channel and Torrey Pines, things like that. It had to do with, you know, being a competitive space it was, it was a lot easier when I was the only one doing it, to be honest with you. But, you know, it was, I learned so much. That was the key for me. Even when I stopped doing it full time, I still kept a few of the events because I really enjoyed working with those people and whatnot. Short par four CEO Bobby DeMeo. So there's the backstory. I know people see this snapshot today, a successful company, and they think, oh, well, that must be nice. And it is, quite frankly, but a lot of work and a little bit of luck to get it there. We'll get the story of how Short Par 4 went from an idea to reality when Slice continues. He sucks at golf, but he talks a good game. Now, back to Slice with Brian Bushlack. You know, I like people who are transparent, you could probably weave an incredible narrative around the success of Short Par 4, but CEO Bobby DeMeo, he didn't set out to change the game in golf apparel. The seeds of Short Par 4 as a company actually started on a whim. Yeah, so 2012, I bought a domain called shortpar4.com. I didn't had no idea what I wanted to do with it, but I just loved the idea of having shortpar4.com. So $17 a year and I own I own shortpar4.com. From there, the idea of what I wanted the business to be was always something that had multiple choices, right? So in every short bar four, you have two choices. You can go for it or you can lay up. 
it's the aggressive route or the not so aggressive route. And, you know, for me, I always wanted to have a business that had those two options. So fast forward, 2013, visiting a buddy of mine in Florida for which I used to always come out here in Florida, then go to the PGA show every year, talking with my buddy, came up with an idea, said, Hey, what if we started a company around subscription? Because at this point, subscription was starting to take off, right? You had Dollar Shave Club was doing it, their thing. You even had like companies like Uber were being talked about, but even though that wasn't subscription, it was more, you know, about being able to go on your phone or go on the internet and book something, right? So Trunk Club was come, you know, had just I think Trunk Club may have just gotten purchased at the time. But, you know, a subscription has always been around. I think now it was coming into other realms of business, right? So razors, apparel for men and women, makeup with Birchbox, um, you know, those types of things. And so brought up the idea and said, hey, what if we started a subscription golf apparel company called Short Par 4? And we gave people two options. The aggressive option is a box every quarter. It's $250 a quarter and they're going to get styled for the whole season. The layup option was a $45 a month box that, you know, people got to pick and choose what they wanted, send the product back, you know, that type of thing. He liked the idea. I told him I needed $20,000 to start the company. And three weeks after he gave me the $20,000, I went back to him and said, that was nowhere near enough money. I think we need to go get more money. So that became the uh, interesting start of, of short par four at that point. It's never enough money. I mean, no matter what business you're building, it's like you can never, ever predict exactly how much, obviously. And, and even when you gross it up 30 or 40 percent. So see, so you get the you get it launched. And this is what I always think is interesting in the, you know, the the span of a lifetime of a business is that period from launch where you have expectations of what this is going to be, what what you've written in the business plan, and then what it actually is, or more importantly, isn't, right? I mean, so talk about that. You've got it launched and you're, you know, hey, we've got this box. Uh, how are you, how are you going to sell it, right? Yeah, I think at this point I was a little bit naive, you know, it was people were asking me, like, what are you doing for marketing? And I, and I would say, well, I don't need marketing. I'm just going to tell people about it and they're going to sign up. It didn't quite work out as planned. You know, we ended up about halfway into our first year, hired a marketing company. Unfortunately, they, you know, they, depending on who you go to, will t- you know, they'll sell you on a pipe dream. We got sold on a pipe dream. Didn't work out. Hired a second marketing company. Things were a little bit better. And, you know, ultimately this got us to the end of the year. And, you know, we had honestly had a hundred and something members after year one and said, okay, I think it's time to, you know, say this isn't going to work or we got to change something, you know, and before we decided to shut the doors, I said, give me one more chance. Let me see what I can do here. And in 2000, end of 14, early 15, got connected through a friend to somebody who, was a graduate of USC, very well known in the e-commerce space, and just had a conversation with him. Uh, talked about the business. He asked some great questions. I gave him some not so great answers, and you know, he basically at the end of it, we figured out that hey, the model is not scalable. We have to make a change. So, you know, what that turned out to be was, you know, hiring his company to come on board, be the new digital marketing company. 
which nobody had ever called themselves a digital marketing company to us before. So it was always, you know, it was new that, hey, we're going to go strictly through Facebook and digital. It sounded crazy to me, but in the end, you know, it was the best thing we ever did. Like I said before, we had about 100 members at the end of year one. And the first month of the new, with the new company, we revamped the website, did the whole thing. And the first month we had 257 people sign up. So, you know, it definitely worked. And so, you know, I definitely, for anybody out there who's either starting a business or is young in their business, marketing is very important. I'm glad we went the route we did. You know, I learned a lot in the first year, but I could have saved a lot of headaches, a lot of arguments, a lot of dollars if we, you know, took took the original digital route that we should have taken. Well, and even with that, it's not a straight line, right? I mean, you, even if you've got a great, digital marketing agency, I mean, you're still going to have ups and downs and hurdles to overcome. I mean, I, I can only imagine that, you know, yeah, it's great 250 something that first month, but has it been a steady straight line or have you had to make more pivots or adjustments along the way? It was a pretty steady straight line for a few months. Our numbers were growing. It was a very interesting time at short par four. We, you know, honestly had no idea uh, what to do at that point on how to buy, how to, you know, what were we doing for customer service? I mean, we were all of it, right? So we were, we were the pickers, the packers, we were the order, you know, we ordered the boxes um, or, or ordered the apparel for the boxes. Uh, we were customer service. You know, at this point we thought this is the greatest thing, you know, since sliced bread, we're, of, you know, over a couple thousand members and, you know, next thing you know, we're having packing parties from, you know, 10 p.m. till 2, 3, 4 in the morning with all of our friends are coming. We're bringing wine and cheese and, you know, we're <laughs> literally packing boxes through the night just so we can get up in the morning and come back to the office and do the customer service role for when the doors open. The interesting, you know, the most interesting thing about it all is as we at this point are looking now to hire people. When somebody was like, you know, hey, well, you know, have you done it? I've literally done every position in the company, you know, which is awesome. I think now looking back on it at the time, the 20 hour days weren't awesome, but, you know, it led to this. And so it was good. I mean, we definitely had our own hurdles, though. You know, at this point now you start, okay, is there enough apparel out there? How do we open up new accounts with companies? What if somebody doesn't like something? How do we start combating all the the negative feedback that came back on Facebook of, oh, this item doesn't fit? You know, so it was just kind of a as as great as the numbers were, the back end we didn't have the infrastructure for. And that was a big challenge for us. Yeah, I recall we talked, I think, right during that period, and you were very transparent, right? And I think that that served you well, didn't it? Yes. Um, I was a little, it was a little nerve wracking to be honest with you, uh, to be the one to reach out and talk to your customers via an email or a social post as, Hey, this is Bobby DeMeo, CEO of short par four. This is why your box is late this month, or this is what happened with the product this month, you know, that type of thing. But to be honest with you, the, the feedback from it, you know, it was awesome to see when people say things like, 
oh, it's so cool to have a CEO of a company come online and, you know, tell us what's going on and be upfront about it and, you know, willing to take the responsibility for it uh, versus just making up some excuse. It was good decision-making there. Um, Unfortunately, we had to deal with those issues, but, you know, we dealt with them the best we could. And you learn a lot when you start dealing with them. You learn a lot about the customer. The end user is somebody who, boy, there's some... There's people out there that just love what you do. They don't complain at all. And they're, you know, they're happy go lucky, but those are the ones you don't hear from. You know, you hear from the guy who, you know, like I said, an, uh, an item doesn't fit or, you know, it rained and their package got wet and the water may have seeped through the box and, you know, blamed us for it when we had no control over the rain, <laughs> you know, that type yeah. of thing. But it was great. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I loved every bit of it. 2016 was an even better year for us. That was our biggest growth year that led us to honestly packing boxes, you know, in a totally different light. We had a couple new employees, you know, we started bringing people in to pack boxes that were answering Craigslist ads and ultimately middle of 16 led us to buy or move into a new building that my business partner bought because we outgrew our 2200 square foot space and moved into a 15,000 square foot space and that growth fueled by a killer digital marketing campaign and the signing of two of the sport's biggest stars hey short par four was already a very successful company but they're taking it to another level we'll share that when slice continues and a friendly reminder one of our short par four partners is cutter and buck and just a few days left in our promo, save 20% off site-wide with the promo code CBLIFE. Visit CutterAndBuck.com. Thanks for downloading Slice with Brian Bushlack, where the industry insiders talk shop. Okay, no doubt a lot of hard work to launch and build a company, tons of risk, customer service issues, that's fun, all sorts of hurdles to overcome. But when you get to the point where you can align with brand ambassadors who can really move the needle, Ricky Fowler, Lexi Thompson, I'm name dropping here, obviously takes things to a whole nother level. That's exactly what's happening for Short Par 4 and CEO Bobby DeMeo. But make no mistake, this wasn't easy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, that was uh, fun and interesting all, all together and very, you know, very, very nerve wracking in the sense of, you know, here we have arguably two of the biggest assets in golf, one on the men's side, one on the women's side. And you start thinking in your head and you start talking to agents and all these things about, Hey, you know, that, that, that player right there has Rolex, Mercedes, Cobra, Grant Thornton, Red Bull, you know, and you're like farmer's insurance. And all of a sudden it's like, and now we're, we're thinking, okay, now short par four and don't get me wrong. Those all, every one of those companies have deeper pockets, (laughs) you know? So it was trying to figure out how this deal could work. And ultimately the best part was sitting down with Ricky himself. You know, we, I was fortunate enough to spend the day with him out at Madison club in the desert. And we just kind of talked about the whole deal. And I think what he enjoyed the most about it and what got us to the 
point to sign the contract with him and us to both sign the contract and be confident is was his idea of, of having upside, not in ownership of the company, but upside in how well the Ricky Fowler experience was at short par four. He's done a great job on his social channels to keep things organic and real. And I think that's why, you know, he has 1.5 or 1.6 million followers. He's a hard guy not to like, I mean, he's just, he's the most easygoing athlete, professional athlete, maybe that I've ever met, but you know, so I think the upside was a big thing for him. You know, he loved that, that idea that he gets to kind of, also pick and choose what goes in the box and showcase his style. You know, we still do the same thing everybody else does, right? He gets bonuses when he wins, whether it's a major, whether it's a regular tournament. You know, at the end of the day, if he's winning golf tournaments, you know, things are going really well. So, you know, that's kind of how the Ricky deal came out. And then, you know, that was, we signed Ricky in March of 18 and Lexi got signed uh, in January of this year. And, you know, I think for us, we've never offered a women's subscription. And the idea behind Lexi joining us, since we already have a great relationship with Puma, Cobra, Red Bull, you know, the the shared sponsors between Lexi and Ricky, it just made sense to marry the two and have her be our ambassador for the global ambassador for the women's side of it. So super pumped about having her on board. Most likely going to be launching the women's uh, subscription the end of next month. And, uh, you know, we have some really cool announcements coming out around it. And uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, you mentioned the big announcement. We can't say anything yet here, but we will. And uh, we've obviously been promoting short par four in our past episodes. But generally speaking, what's next for short par four? I mean, where do you go from here? I think evolving this description game a little bit. What does that look like? How do you continue to style people? It's probably a little bit more experiential, showing people what you know who you are off the computer screen. Getting involved in PGA Tour events, uh, which we already are currently doing, web.com events. Just expanding our product lines, trying to hit different members. We have some new boxes that are going to be coming out in 2019. High-end, low-end, possibly a line of apparel down the road. Who knows? There's a lot of moving parts in our business. And I think for us, ultimately, the it's the family approach. How do you create a community around short par four that is not, so it's not just a box. And that's kind of, that's our goal today is we want everyone to forget about kind of what they're paying to be a member of short par four and be involved in short par four, join the community, play different events that we're putting on, uh, follow our players that we sponsor on Instagram and, you know, other social media channels and, you know, really just be a part of it. That's what we're shooting for. We have an awesome team, you know, a great team in place here in Florida. We have some great customer service team, great sales team. I couldn't be happier and couldn't be more excited about where the direction of the company is going. Well, the direction of the company is going up. That's for sure. All good for short par four. And we sure appreciate CEO Bobby DeMeo taking time out to share his story and the story of his company. A friendly reminder, you get free shipping on your first custom curated box of apparel at shortpar4.com. Hey, next time on Slice, don't miss this one. Patrick Keenig shares his recreational golf vehicle 
the RGV Tour across America, 365 days, 403 courses, 47 states, and over 35,000 miles. It's the dream trip, teeing it up at the top courses across the country. We'll have that for you next time on Slice. Thanks for downloading Slice, a presentation of Feedback Media. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Full disclosure, our legal department doesn't allow mulligans.